The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about things that could prevent the Bucs from winning a championship. We will preview the rest of the Bucks regular season. We'll see how it all shakes out. Where will the Bucs end up as a seed? Who could they play? A lot has changed since last week when we talked about it in the start of the, the week. Uh, lastly, we will recap the weekend I had uh, in Minneapolis as part of Chuck's Corner. And that'll be today's show. Kind of a tight show. Um, maybe not as long as some others. Apologize for getting up late. I know there are a lot of you that hate that. Um, we'll try to be better. I was absolutely wiped last night when I got home uh, from a drive from Minneapolis and a five-hour fantasy baseball draft. So, you know, I feel like if you hear that, you're like, wow, sympathy right there. I uh, get it. But all right, before we start about the box, just really quick, you know, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, Facebook, as well as TikTok. Um, and then if you are following us on the podcast, make sure rating and reviewing uh, if you've already subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, if you found us somehow, which appreciate you doing that, Hopefully you will subscribe. We are on all podcast platforms, so don't have any hesitation. We will be on your favorite podcast platform. All right, let's talk about things that could cost the Bucks another ring. The Milwaukee Bucks are trying to defend their title. I think the Bucks are going to have an awesome title defense. I think the Bucks are going to be a team that defends their title with a fury and a passion. I don't think the Bucks are going to go out with a whimper. I think sometimes you see teams who are defending their title and they don't do much. I would say what happened with Baylor this year, right, was a team kind of going with a whimper. Even though Baylor was a one seed, even though North Carolina is now playing in the championship game, Baylor did not necessarily defend their crown, maybe in the way that you would have liked them. Now, part of that was probably due to injuries. They did not necessarily have a full roster um, when March Madness hit, and that cost them a chance to repeat. It's also extremely hard to repeat in college basketball. There is a stat that you I think no team has made it the second weekend after after winning the title. I think in the last like five or six years. It's absolutely crazy. You see sometimes with golf, you have guys who try to defend their title and they can't. Like Hideki Matsuyama left with a neck injury last week in the Valero Texas Open. I don't think Hideki's going to play the Masters this week, which is absolutely crazy. But yeah, that does happen. Injuries happen. Sometimes you see that without, with team sports, right? A team is extremely injured and they miss the playoffs. I think that happens more with like a baseball, right? Like the Braves, for example, they're playing in the NL East this year. The NL East is fucking loaded. Like every team besides the Marlins is going to be all right. Like even the Nationals tried to make some moves to be a competitive baseball team. Uh, you also had... You know, the Phillies are really loaded. The Mets have a ton of pitching. Now they just lost to Grom. But, I mean, it's going to be really hard for the Braves to repeat as even division title winners, if not, you know, in the from a World Series defense. So, but to say all of this and, you know, kind of extend this open, defense title defenses matter. Title defenses sh should be important. It should be, it's kind of part of your title resume. If the Milwaukee Bucks go out and get to the title game, get to the championship, get to the finals and lose, that's still a hell of a title defense. If the Milwaukee Bucks get to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose, that is a hell of a title defense. If the Bucks lose in the first round, that leaves you a little flaccid, especially when you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who a lot of people are debating as the best player in the NBA. I sure as hell think that. 
is the case. So I think that's extremely disappointing when you have the best player in the NBA. We compare it to LeBron. We compare it to Jordan, Kobe. The, the only thing close, I guess, would be Kobe going out in the first round. But Kobe's teams were far worse than what the Bucks have on their roster right now. So what could get in the way of Milwaukee returning to the championship? What could get in the way of them winning the championship as well and going back-to-back and being the first back-to-back champs since the Golden State Warriors of the late 2000s? The answer is pretty simple, honestly. I think there are a couple things that are that are simple in terms of how the championship could get disrupted. Number one is three-point shooting. The Milwaukee Bucks have struggled in terms of letting teams just go crazy from three. We saw it again last night with the Dallas Mavericks as the Mavericks were able to beat up the Milwaukee Bucks from three and that kind of paved the way. The Bucks have a real issue when it comes to defending the three-point basket. It is something that has been, you know, a real factor for Milwaukee, especially in the last sort of month, month and a half, where they just keep giving up a ton of threes and they keep getting out, you know, outmade from three. Brooklyn did it on Thursday. I think Philly also did it on Tuesday. Um, and the Bucks were able to win. And the Bucks are able to, you know, have other things, whether it be at the free throw line. That's how they beat the Nets when Nets fans, you know, wrung their hands and things like that. The Bucks shut down Philly's three-pointers in the in the fourth quarter by switching everything, and they were able to make three-pointers a non-factor. But the fact of the matter is, is that it doesn't seem like this is something that the Bucks have been able to fix. The Bucks are getting beat to absolute shit when it comes to three-pointers, and you're going to have to stop that a little bit. I understand that there are going to be outlier games where a team scores, you know, has 20 or 33s, and then that's it, Like, right? Like, you're not going to be able to stop that when it comes to three-point percentage. But you look at some of the top teams, and this is just the regular season, so this isn't this isn't necessarily, you know, last few games. This is just regular season. The Miami Heat are the top shooting team from three-point range. They're 37% for, as a team. You have the Atlanta Hawks who are 37%. So if you get the Hawks in the first round, you're going to have to really watch that three-point line. The Chicago Bulls are 36%. Even though the Bulls can't beat a regular season team, can't beat a good team in the regular season, they still are lethal from deep. And that could cause problems for the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're looking at more of the positive side, the Nets, the Sixers, the Celtics are 10th, 11th, and 15th in threes. The Toronto Raptors, who could be the Bucks' first round opponent, they fall to 18th. They are actually, they might be the worst team, yeah. Besides the Grizzlies and the other side of the bracket, they are the worst three-point shooting team that currently has a playoff spot. So they there's no one that is worse than that. That's all to say, like, the Bucks maybe can survive this given the fact that Brooklyn, Philly, Boston are all teams that are, you know, in the bottom half. But that could be a real factor against Miami. Now, the kind of devil's advocate side if you're like well charlie they have a lot of guys who have not had playoff experience completely fair but that could be a big time factor when we're talking bucks heat is how can milwaukee run the heat off the three-point line and you know there was comments made i think by matt moore uh of action network saying the bucks are almost defending to paint too well 
that they're too focused on the paint. So I, I wonder if a part of this is getting back to Brooke Lopez and getting their defensive rotation set, that these guys aren't entirely comfortable in terms of when to drop, when to switch, and they're just sort of getting back in the flow. And so maybe this Milwaukee team will hit full potential in you know round two of the playoffs. But I, I definitely think that this could be a thing that limits the Bucs from winning a title. The second thing is George Hill over Javon Carter. We saw it again on Sunday. George Hill was the first guy out against the Dallas Mavericks, and it shouldn't be in the case. Javon Carter is much better and much more suited to be the bench point guard for the Bucs than George Hill. George Hill's just washed. He, he, Javon Carter did not even play in this game. George Hill, 18 minutes and no points. He had four rebounds and two steals. He missed all three shots. So that's the second straight game that George Hill has not scored a bucket. Look at George Hill's game logs for the last few the last few times out. We all like George Hill, but it, it's time to kind of rip the band-aid off a little bit. George Hill, okay, had four points against the Clippers. Okay, George Hill's last five games. George Hill had tw- 24 minutes against Memphis. He had five points in that one. Drew Holiday did not play in that game, but he had, so he played 24. Against Philly, he only played nine minutes. He had one total point. He Against Brooklyn, he had 16 minutes, no points. He had one assist, one rebound. Against the Clippers, he had 21 minutes. He had four points, four rebounds, five assists. Not necessarily a bad night, but he was also two at eight shooting and one three-pointer. George Hill is shooting a woeful, now granted, he's playing about 15 minutes a game, but he's shooting a woeful 30% from three. How the fuck is this man getting minutes over Javon Carter? How is Javon Carter getting a DMP against a guy like Luka Doncic? Like, how, how is that humanly possible? Like, Luka did not necessarily have a great game. I mean, he had 15 assists. It was more of what he was doing with his teammates. Like, his stat line was crazy. Like, 32, 15, and 8 is a hell of a stat line. But he also made 32 points on 22 shots. So it wasn't necessarily like Luka was absolutely owning everything. But how the hell did Javon Carter... Javon Carter had 18 points on, on, on Friday, too. Like, I know that they got absolutely smoked by the Clippers, and I wasn't going to really talk too much about it, but he had 18 against the Clippers. Like, what are we doing here? He made all his threes. Like, how the fuck is George Hill getting minutes over Javon Carter? It just cannot happen. You, We are at a free Javon Carter sort of way. We have to be. There's no way that anyone can look. Javon Carter... In the month of March, 62% from three. Now, granted, he wasn't shooting a bunch, but 62%. He made 60% of his baskets. What what the fuck are we doing here? Like, this is, like, I understand George Hill is a revered guy. But if Mike Boonholzer is going to keep with George Hill, we are going to have some real problems. That is going to cost, that, that right there could cost the Milwaukee Bucks a championship. And if he continues with it, it's not going to go well. I, I'm just telling you that right now. It can cost the Bucks a championship. And I am deathly afraid that Mike Boonholzer is going to be a stick in the mud. We will see if something changes. I, I look at the sample size for George Hill of the last five games, and there is no way you can tell me that that guy deserves more minutes than Javon Carter. Because he fucking doesn't. And 
I really hope that on Tuesday, Javon Carter is the guy coming off the bench and not George Hill. The other thing that could get in the way, more of an obvious one, honestly, is injuries, right? You know, that to me is always a thing that can basically derail a championship run is a team gets too injured, team gets too hurt. And then it's like, all right, well, Holiday was banged up. Middleton was banged up. Giannis was banged up and we couldn't, you know, finish the deal. And sometimes it's the last healthy team left in in the playoffs. Hopefully if the Bucks get hurt, we can use it as an excuse like Brooklyn fans have done all throughout the last, I don't know, full year. Atlanta fans have done it too. Um, you know, it's it's all ridiculous. Uh, but I, I do think injuries could get in the way. Another thing that could be a factor is a team just gets hot at the right time. I don't think any team right now is that sort of quote-unquote hot team. I think the Celtics would be in that mix, right? The Celtics, to me, fit that profile of the hottest team left, but they did lose Robert Williams. I know they just blew out the Washington Wizards yesterday, but they were very close against the uh, Indiana Pacers on Friday. So I'm not like ready to say, okay, here, the Celtics are the hottest team and they're going to be a real issue. I mean, Buck Celtics is a big time matchup on Thursday. That's the last big game, which we can go right into previewing the last of the Bucks weekend or the Bucks week, excuse me. And I do think that that could factor into what happens the rest of the way. But yeah, I, I definitely, definitely look at it and say, okay, the Celtics are that team that's the hot hot team. Heat are warming up. All of a sudden now the Heat have won four straight. They had a really impressive win against the Toronto Raptors. They rested Jimmy Butler and I think somebody else and they still beat the Raptors on the road. So it's a pretty big win for the Heat and they continue to kind of feel good and they're kind of finishing strong as well. Um, I'd say Philly right now not finishing strong and the Nets too. Uh, losing to the Hawks on the road was pretty bad and Hawks have been playing well but that, that's a game you need to win, and they couldn't get it done. So let's preview the rest of the week for all the teams that matter and see how that could affect the Bucks seeding. You will see in the last week of the NBA year, teams kind of start to pack it in. You kind of saw it with Washington, right, yesterday against Boston. Washington had had a really strong last week. They beat Dallas. It looked like they were kind of, you know, finishing on a high note. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, nah, we we don't really give a fuck. So they got blown out. Bucks have a couple teams that really will care about the last last few games. You have the the Chicago Bulls on Tuesday night, uh, ESPN game uh, in Chicago. Uh, I'm sure the Grayson Allen Boos will come out. Chicago has yet to beat a good team all year. It's been the story for the Bulls, the Bulls continue to leak oil right now, tied with Toronto for that fifth seed. Um, so it'll be it'll definitely be important. Could be a preview of the first round, um, but we'll see if Chicago can finally get off the mat against a good team. The Bucks have owned their ass, you know, this season, and we'll see if that continues on Tuesday night. Then on Thursday, the big matchup with Boston should be a packed arena. Should be an awesome day for. For Milwaukee sports fans, as long as the Brewers can play, you get the Brewers in the afternoon and then the Boston Celtics at night, um, Boston, Milwaukee at night. That's going to be a hell of a matchup between those two teams and definitely something that I think 
we're going to see what both teams are about. We'll do a longer preview on that game. That's one to definitely get excited about and wonder if it will be an Eastern Conference or a hell of a second round matchup between those two teams. Then after that, the Bucks have two road games. That's the last home game of the regular season schedule. Um, and they head to Detroit for a back-to-back. Um, who knows if the Bucks will play guys. Detroit will probably not try to play a ton of their guys. Detroit has really been an impressive team down the stretch. Like if you're a team who could be next year's Cleveland, I think Detroit is definitely in that mix because they're going to get a good pick and they're going to have a really strong core of young guys with Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham. And I think if they get a big guy, like I think if they get Chet, like I think they could be really something. I, I actually think they're more of a Chet team than a Jabari team. I, a lot of people were pinning the Pistons with Jabari Smith and I'm like, well, Chet's kind of a ball ball dominant guy or not chat excuse me Cade Lassie's Cade is more of a ball dominant guy I can see them more with with Cade they are are chat excuse me see too many C's but they're they've been a gambling darling for me so I have a soft spot for the Pistons and then you have the Cleveland Cavaliers to round out the season on Sunday um, that game will be at 2 30 on the league has announced times for that now kind of as a jostling of positioning um, I don't think that game is going to be that significant to the Bucks. It might matter for Cleveland as they try to hold on to hosting the playing game, but they look pretty good on that. They're a game and a half up, so I think that will matter more to Cleveland, but who knows? I don't expect the Bucks to rest anybody for that game. I think they will rest guys for Detroit after you know Boston and Chicago, um, and they will try to sort of finish strong, and hopefully the afternoon Bucks can take care of business. I know there are a lot of people who are like, oh, the Bucks can't play in the afternoon and then they struggle against Dallas. They've had one bad bad, you know, day game against Dallas. So just settle down. It's one fucking game. As for the Miami Heat, who currently have a two-game lead over the Boston Celtics for that num seed, Bucks are two and a half back. It seems like the Heat would be locked in. They have three games left. They play Charlotte, Atlanta, and Orlando. Now you could argue that Charlotte and Orlando, or Charlotte and Atlanta, both need those games to kind of jostle for play in position. Charlotte, Atlanta, and Brooklyn are all tied for the eight seed, so there's a potential that one of those teams could be could even get to the seven seed. And if they don't get the seven seed, they could at least host the nine ten matchup and maybe avoid Brooklyn. So that will matter more to those teams. But I think if Miami were to beat Charlotte, they are locked into that one seed. So we'll see what they do. We'll see if they rest any guys. That's quite the time, you know, to not rest guys because you play Tuesday, tomorrow, and then you play Friday. So you have a long time off before you're you're taking on any team. And then obviously that's Sunday game against Orlando. And you'll know what Milwaukee did because the game's at six. So and Orlando is definitely not trying to win any games for the rest of the year. So definitely an easy-ish schedule for the Miami Heat. Definitely not something where there will be a lot of competition. Brooke, or Boston, excuse me, not Brooklyn. The Boston Celtics, uh, they finish off the year going to Chicago on Wednesday. Bam, that's brutal for the Bulls. So the Bulls have to play the Bucks and the Celtics. They've struggled against good teams. They're trying to hold on to the five. It really seems like the... It really seems like the Chicago Bulls will be saddled with that six seed. It doesn't seem like the Bulls are going to get out of that six seed. It seems like that will be where Chicago ends up. 
They take so they so Boston gets them against Chicago. Then they play Milwaukee, as mentioned, and then finally finish out the year against Memphis. They are on the road for the entire week. Um, that Memphis game, I would imagine, matters more to the Grizzlies. But who knows? I mean, maybe Boston's still jockeying. Maybe the Memphis. Memphis seems, I think, locked in at two, the two seed. So I don't know if Memphis will play a lot of their guys. But that doesn't matter to Memphis as they, they beat the Phoenix Suns uh, last week or on Friday with absolutely none of their guys. To round it out with the Philadelphia 76ers, who, you know, who knows with the Sixers. Sixers, you know, kind of had a weird week, right? They lose to the Bucks, then they lose to the Detroit on the road. They come back and put 144 on Charlotte and then beat Cleveland on the road in a back-to-back scenario. They have four games, but those four games are against sort of <laughs> meaningless opponents. They, well, Toronto's not meaningless, but they play Indiana twice. Indiana is trying to tank. And no one wants to play basketball less than Indiana. So Indiana, you can add two more wins to the Sixers. Then you go to Toronto in the middle of that on Thursday. Uh, play, and that, that game will matter a lot more to the Raptors. I would imagine maybe you know Sixers do some load management and then finish off the year against Detroit at home. But I think at that point, Detroit will probably try to pump the brakes as well. So there is a real chance that the, the Sixers could win their last four games of the season. Now that could factor in with what the Bucks do, could factor in with the Celtics. The Bucks right now have a tiebreaker over the Philadelphia 76ers. They, I don't think, have a tiebreaker over the Miami Heat. When it comes to conference record for the Bucks and the Celtics, if the Bucs were to beat the Celtics, let's see, they would say they beat the Celtics Bulls. So let's say they sweep. So that'll be really interesting because now they have... They have the same conference record pretty much. Uh, Celtics have two more conference wins, but they have the same amount of losses. So that Bucks celtics game, man, is going to matter because I think that's where you go to tiebreakers next. And they are kind of neck and neck there. So there's not that to me hasn't been decided. I think it, from there, you would go to against the Western Divi- against the West, the West. And the Bucks and Celtics are have the same amount of losses. God, they are similar. They are very similar basketball teams. That's crazy to me. Um, so that Thursday game is really going to matter for where the seeding ends up. And as we say, we are a team, we don't care where they play, who they play against. I think it will. we'll see how the chips fall. But there's definitely a lot that can still happen here in the last week of the NBA season. All right, let's move on and wrap up today's show with a Chuck's Corner of Minneapolis. Uh, things that you guys would care about, uh, most notably, Chuck, how did you watch the Final Four with being a- at a wedding? I did not watch the first game at all. Uh, we wa- Actually, I take it back. We were in the hotel bar before the wedding, had a beer. Um, game was already kind of, you know, Kansas goes on their early run. It's 11-2. to two. Doesn't necessarily really matter. From there, it was kind of just checking the score. Um, but the game had no real significance. Kansas, you know, buried Villanova I kind of expected I think I was I found it crazy that some people thought Villanova would keep that close just given the importance of Justin Moore Justin Moore was their most important player I know Colin Gillespie won Big East player of the year but I think it was more about Justin Moore than it was Colin Gillespie and we saw that in that game Um, and Kansas was able to kind of pound the Villanova team into the ground. And usually this is what you see. You see one really close game with Final Four, and you see one that's kind of a blowout. 
And you you always hope that the second game is the more exciting one because usually that's the game where there are going to be more eyeballs. And I always want to see college basketball do well, just like I want to see Major League Baseball do well, just like I want to see the NBA do well because I they have I have teams involved there. And of course, North Carolina Duke was an absolute classic. I didn't watch much in the first half. Uh, Seth, uh, my my co-partner at the wedding with my wife of course too but um seth was putting basically the game put the game on a couple times when we were just sitting at the table was having a tough time with connection Uh, but i didn't i didn't necessarily really care i just kind of glanced over was like all right cool i don't really get that i wasn't that fired up was keeping track was 37 34 in the first half i had friends texting me like this game is amazing like you need to just leave the wedding and i was like well i'm not going to do that so as sort of the second half is building, I'm kind of checking, you know, in a little bit here and there. Dancing's going on. I'm, I'm having fun. And, you know, you know, kind of just bouncing around at this point. And then like 13 minutes left to go in the game. I see that this game is still close. I'm like, all right, I'm throwing up YouTube TV. I'm just going to keep it in my pocket. I'm just going to keep it on and it'll just be sort of there. And so I can just watch a little bit, put it down. Kind of, again, to our point when Mitch and I did the podcast last week, don't be an asshole. And so then from there, we we kind of watched as much as we could. And it, it was, you know, I think we played it perfectly. I don't think that we were that distracting. I think we, we my, my friend Eric and I did get a little heat from our wives, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> okay. She just hopped in to call me a jerk. I don't think it was that bad. Like, I, I you want to come on the podcast? I don't think it was that bad. Okay, she's left. But no, seriously, I I thought I don't think anyone noticed. Maybe they did. Um, if they did, we were in the we were involved in everything. After that, we were on our best behavior. It wasn't like we were trying to. We were completely distracted. Yes, the final three minutes of the game. Of course, we were dialed into it. But you saw Rovell. If you saw Rovell's Instagram, I think yesterday. I'm not usually telling people to go see Rovell's Instagram. There's a picture of a bunch of people at a wedding, you know, huddled around a phone watching that game. And he's like, every wedding on Saturday. I, I feel like if you were at any wedding on Saturday, there was a group of people watching watching the game, watching Duke North Carolina, and paying attention to it. But we didn't make ourselves bigger than that. We, we weren't like celebrating, you know, at a table close to where everybody was dancing. We were in the back. I don't even think people could notice us with the flower arrangements. So it was fine. And, and we then lived it up. And the, the, after the game was over, we were just celebrating and having a great time and celebrating the bride and groom. So I thought we played it well. Now, my wife called me a jerk. So who knows? Maybe maybe we did. But that'll be for you you to know. Other uh, Minnesota notes. I went to a place called Runyon's. Had very good wings. I think maybe the wings were a little bit better because I hadn't had wings for a long time. Um, I will say right then and there that I could do a Saturday afternoon, have wings, catch a little bit of a buzz, and go without my day. I could do that every Saturday until the the time is over. I said that to my dad. Uh, he was driving me home from something yesterday. And he goes, well, yeah, you could do that until you had kids. And I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Like, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I wish I had a wings place close to me. You could say points east. But 
Poitiste is persona non grata here at the household. Uh, if you don't know why, uh, take a look. Uh, but yeah, if I had a wings place like within walking distance of my house, and I could, and well, Poitiste isn't really in walking distance, and I could do that every fucking Saturday, I probably would. I'd be fat, but I would do that at least like once or twice a, week, a month where I'd be like, all right. We're going to have wings. We're going to have a few light beers and just enjoy and have a Saturday. That That's an underrated way to start your Saturday is going wings, light beer, and then however the rest of the week, the day takes you. So my friends want to do that for Master Saturday uh, this week. My, my phone line's open um, because I will I will never turn down a wing date. That's just, that's just who I am. Uh, I love wings. Um, probably one of my top favorite foods that's out there but yeah runyon's definitely recommended they also made their homemade blue cheese which was really good um so they that was a great establishment had some grain belt i haven't had, i haven't drank grain belt in a long time i don't know if you guys have ever had grain belt um it's more of a minnesota western wisconsin beer um i actually really like it um it's underrated i think when it comes to those cheap craft beers if you will uh, but yeah it was a it was a fun fun weekend drive sucked and then having to go from the drive to a fantasy baseball draft was actually okay. Like I'd, I'd had a bunch of like electrolytes and things like that. And I was feeling pretty good. It was pretty, you know, I had a, a good spark. And then, you know, the guy, you know, who hosted thankfully fed us and he fed us Italian beef, which was great. And, but then after that, plus a couple of Miller lights, I was like, fuck, I am exhausted. Like at that point, I was like, I need to go to bed. Like I, I was the end of the draft. I was just, I was basically on fumes, and I was, I made it through. I thought, I, I think we have a good team. Nobody cares, but um, yeah, that was something else, man. But speaking of baseball, we'll talk a lot more baseball tomorrow. Uh, since there's no NBA tonight, um, we will do a lot, a lot of baseball. Um, I'll do a pre-congrats to the winners. So I'll probably try to tape it before the 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 game ends, since the game's at ten twenty or eight twenty. Um, I'd probably prefer to have the have the podcast wrapped up. So we'll see. We'll get it out a little earlier than we will today. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Sorry for the delay, as always. We will talk tomorrow. All right, see you. Bye.